today on It's Time. It's in the midst of adversity, and they see your faithfulness to God, and they say, well, I want what they got. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Acts, chapter 16 tonight. Actually, we'll wind up with the last verse from last week, and then we'll go into some new ground. Well, we remember last week that Paul and Barnabas had a terrible dispute with each other. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. And um, Mark was somebody that on their first missionary journey, when things kind of went hard... John Mark said, I want to go back home. So we left. Well, now we find him coming up to what we might say a second missionary journey. And Paul doesn't want to take John Mark with him because he kind of flaked out on him, he felt. Well, Barnabas, his whole name means son of consolation, says, no, let's take him with us anyway. And it became so sharp that they divided. And Paul teamed up with Silas. Barnabas teamed up with John Mark, and they both took off in different directions. Now, somebody says, oh, isn't that great how God blesses that kind of disagreement? No, I I don't think so, friends. I I think that God knows how to make something good out of our messes. But I don't believe that's ever God's best intention, is to code two separate directions. And so it tells us that after this happened, they didn't get mad at God because God didn't do it their way. Here we find the last verse of uh, chapter 15 of Acts. It says, And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Uh, Those churches that he had ministered to earlier, he goes back to strengthen them. He wanted to bless them and encourage them. And I would just like to encourage everybody here, uh, those of you that know people, maybe you've seen them in church here and you haven't seen them for a while, I, I think to call them and see how they're doing, go by and see them. Uh, let them know that God still loves them. Perhaps they're going somewhere else or perhaps they've gone through something hard and they're not even going to church anymore. And so you may be, you might say, a Paul to them, uh, reaching out to them and reminding them that God still loves them in spite of maybe some trials or things that they've gone through. Not to worry about that because God's going to be faithful and bless them. So now as we get into chapter 16, it says, Then he came to Derby and Lystra. Now, if you remember, Derby was a place where he ministered. There wasn't a lot of really hard things that went on there. It was kind of a nice place to minister. He didn't leave there with a riot or or being thrown in prison or anything like that. However, Lystra was a little bit different. Lystra was where, um, these two towns fairly close together, Lystra is where they thought, because they performed a miracle, that Zeus and Hermes came down from the sky, some of their gods... And they tried to sacrifice to them. 
And Paul uh, tore his clothes and said, I, I'm just like you are. And we remember the Judaizers came, and it wasn't long after that that they had uh, drug him out of the city and stoned him. So what we find there, interestingly enough, is one minute they're being praised by the people of Lystra, the next minute they're stoning them. And so again, playing to the crowd's always a dangerous thing. You want to always never uh, do that. It isn't what people think of you, it's what God thinks of you, and that's what's important. So Lystra and Derby. In this uh, thing that, that Paul went through, where he was stoned uh, and drug out of the, or, uh, drug out of the city and stoned, um, we remember that he dusts himself off when they're done and goes right back into the city again. Now, divinely, most likely, supernaturally healed. Whatever it was, we know that there was people living in Lystra that that really made an impact to. Again, uh, God working in your life is an undeniable testimony that others see. And sometimes you may not think anybody's watching your life, but I guarantee you, friends, people are and people do. And so Paul, through this experience, notice it tells us here that they go back to this town and they find a a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. So here we find a split home. The mother was was a believer. The father was not a believer. Now, something else we find here, it says uh, that he was a son of a Jewish woman. So he was younger, and God loves young people that get into the ministry. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm going to serve God when I get old and gray, and they're, you know, the last gasp of air, I believe in Jesus, and die. That's a terrible way to live, because just think of all the rewards that you missed when you were living here on this earth that you could have added to your account in heaven. The Bible tells us and reminds us to lay up treasure in heaven where rust and, and uh, thieves and all those things that deteriorate an earthly reward uh, happen. In heaven, your reward is eternal. And so uh, we find that we want to do that. Now, Paul felt really endeared to Timothy. In fact, six of his epistles, uh, he uh, makes mention of him when he opens the letter. And in fact, two of his epistles, he directly addresses to Timothy. So Paul felt, uh, in fact, oftentimes he called him my son. So he felt very close to Timothy because of, I believe, the whole experience probably at Lystra and perhaps giving Paul a little bit better understanding that through this whole thing that happened, it really made believers. And, and again, friends, sometimes it isn't through the good times that we go through in people's observation of us that cause them to say, ooh, I want to be a Christian. Sometimes it's in the midst of adversity and they see your faithfulness to God and they say, well, man, they were able to stand when the chips were down. I want what they got. And that's the truth. And so Paul um, finds Timothy, this young guy that was there, and the Bible tells us here his father was not a believer. He was a Greek. Now, what's kind of amazing here is that so his mother was Jewish, his father was a Gentile. So what would that make him? A half-breed. Now, it does tell us that if the mother's a, 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 a Jewish person, that that, you might say, would be imparted upon him in a way as far as his heritage goes. But we also know that that it was a split family, and so it, it, it would cause its problems. And I think this possibly is why Paul, you might say, 
befriended him and became a father image to him because he probably didn't have much of one at home. And so I always like to encourage all the older guys uh, to um, shepherd the, the flock of God, be, a, be an example and be a, a, a blessing to those people because, you know, uh, all it takes for Christianity or anything to fail is one generation. And so if we're unable to pass on to the next generation what God has shown us and what God has done, then they will not know and remember the great things that God is and through his word. So that's why those things are very important. So he tells us here that he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Now, again, this is speaking of Timothy's reputation, that he was somebody that was conscientious, that somebody that he really took his Christianity seriously. And so noting that, Paul Wanted to, wanted to have him go with him and took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now you say, well, wait a minute. Last week when we were together and, and all, we remember this open letter from the council that came from Jerusalem saying that they did not have to be circumcised according to uh, the you might say the uh, Mosaic law and all that. So why is Paul doing this? It almost seems a contradictory in terms that this is what this whole reason that they'd went to Jerusalem in the first place, because there were certain Judaizers that came in to where Paul was ministering and said, unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. Well, then this broke into some kind of a discussion, and we remember they sent a delegation to Jerusalem to talk to those that had walked with Jesus to really have this argument, you might say, ended. And so we remember they wrote a letter back, and they said that really the things you just need to worry about are things abstain, uh, abstain from uh, things strangled and, and blood and, and sexual immorality, those kinds of things is what he was addressing them. But there was no mention of any circumcision. But now we find Paul taking young Timothy, this Christian young guy that had a good reputation and having him circumcised. Why is that? Well, that's a good question. And we don't exactly have all the answers, but many believe this. It's because, first of all, it says that he was known in the reputation world. Notice again, let's look at this. It says... It says, because they all knew his father was Greek. So evidently, Timothy was not uh, just a good Christian, but he was probably somebody that was in a type, a mover and a shaker. And they all knew who his father was. The second thing we find here is that Paul says, I become all things to all men that I may win some. Now, we never find here anywhere about the circumcision issue concerning Timothy's salvation. It was, you might say, a bridge builder so that if at comes up in a conversation, he can defend himself because a lot of times the prejudice of the Jews against Gentiles or the uncircumcised was so strong. This goes clear back to when David killed the giant. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should revile the armies of God? So this all stuck in their mind that David said this about anybody that wasn't this way. And so here's a person that's coming to us preaching, you might say, the things of God. He's just like one of them uncircumcised Philistines. So it isn't a matter of salvation, you might say, 
But it was a matter of culture and the ability to reach out to those people whom he felt that he would like to communicate with. And so it wasn't forced upon him. It was something that was offered. And again, understanding we become all things to all men that we may win some, I believe this is what this would fall into. Now, something important to remember, that doesn't mean that we become a prostitute to minister to prostitutes. It doesn't mean we become a drug addict to minister to drug addicts. We never lose the the innocency of the gospel in order to communicate the gospel. That's really important. Yeah, well, I like to get around my buddies. You know, they're all getting drunk, and I like to get drunk with them and then share Jesus with them. Get up and walk out. <laughs> that, isn't, that isn't the gospel. There's enough verses in the Bible that would condemn that kind of um, thinking and that kind of behavior. And so understanding, though, that we can have friends oftentimes, and I'm not saying close commandants. I'm saying acquaintances with people outside the Christian world that we can befriend if they invite us to go look at a house or be part of a something they're doing. Yeah, I think that's okay. But never lose the innocency of the gospel. Because then when you want to minister to the gospel, then the gospel will say, well, you don't act any different than I do. Why should I listen to what you've got to say? See, again, because they have a concept of what a Christian should act and live like. And so I think we always have to be sensitive to their perception, even though, even though it may not necessarily be true. So, uh, in other words, if you're trying to reach somebody uh, with the gospel and they believe that you have to have a three-piece suit on to go to church, well, I hate to say this, you might have to do that to maybe get them to come because unless they feel like they're dressed up, they don't feel that they're good enough to come to church. Now, that's why on Sunday morning here, you will see people in shorts, not usually in February, but, you know, sometimes in shorts, blue jeans, suits and ties. There's every kind of dress here. Um, got a couple guys that got their hair sticking straight up. We got, we got people with blue hair and green hair and some with no hair at all. You know, so I'm just glad that we have such a neat variety here that everybody can feel at home here. And once they come a few times, they go, well, I guess I don't have to have a suit and tie on to come to church. So what I guess I'm saying is that we have to be kind of sensitive sometimes to their thinking. And we remember, as we studied a few weeks ago, that the, you might say, the word of Moses was taught throughout all the synagogues. And so because of that, they were very sensitive to the Jewish customs. And so it is wise sometimes to well size up who you're addressing. And if you can make some bridge building going on, I think that's a wise thing. Uh, it isn't that we, well, you got to come to my standard. I don't have anything to do with you. That's why you'll find missionaries as they go overseas. You'll find them sometimes beginning to dress like the people that they're trying to communicate with. Because that lets them know that you're accepting their culture as you're trying to bring them the gospel message. And so, uh, again, never to lose the innocency of the gospel, but to be a bridge builder is what we find in the scripture. And so this is what Paul uh, had spoken to Timothy about. And again, it says, for they all knew his father was Greek. And they went throughout the cities, delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So again, this is not hypocritical. It's not necessary for salvation. In this particular case with Timothy, it was only because in the position of what he was in, 
he wanted to not offend anybody by a particular practice that they honored, and he may have not have. So, so the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. Uh, the churches increased in strength. I believe that's important. I think everybody that goes to church should be growing in the relationship with God. I, I do. I don't think we, we're, we should be at the same place last year than we are here. You know, I, I, I talk to friends sometimes, and they'll call me, and they'll say, Oh, Mike, I went out and really messed up, and I got loaded, or I got stoned, or I did this, or I did that. Oh, I feel terrible. And I always remember what my dad would say to me. He'd say, Well, did you learn anything? And I go, Yeah, I don't want to do that again. He goes, Good, you're growing. And we talked about this before. There's three kinds of people. People who learn from other people's mistakes, they're wise. People who learn from their own mistakes, they're smart. Then there's just people that never learn. (laughs) So don't be one of those that never learn. Um, Let God show you what what to do. So uh, again, he says here that they increased and they were blessed. And so I want to just encourage you to share your faith. Look and see where you've been. Sometimes if you don't know, then certainly you can go and talk to your friends because they'll tell you that they see a difference in you over six months ago or a year ago. And uh, it's very obvious that as you grow in the Lord, things that used to make you really mad and cause you to swear and stuff, you might find yourself not uh, uh, having those words anymore in your vocabulary. I, I remember my mom, when she first got saved, my mom was a... I, I had a very unusual childhood. Um, my dad and mom both got saved the same day because my sister was on her deathbed. And I remember the doctor said to my mom, if you know a prayer, you better say it. Well, my mom knew she was backslidden from God. And my dad had grown up in church as well, and he was backslidden. And so they came to church and heard the salvation message that came forward. My dad had a lightning bolt experience. Boom! Everything's different. He stopped drinking. He stopped smoking. He stopped all that stuff. Just all went away. Just lightning bolt. Wham. My mom, on the other hand, did not have a lightning bolt experience. She had a slow conversion. Now, she was immediately saved, but these things in her life went away slowly. And I remember my mom, they were asking her, they said, well, when you first got saved, what did you see that was different in your life? And she says, well, you know, the first thing I noticed is I wasn't saying God in my swear words anymore. (laughs) That's, that's, That's great. That's good. You're not using the name of the Lord in vain anymore. That's great. But the thing is, is that sometimes it is a lightning bolt experience, and sometimes it's, it's a slow process. I believe we look in the Bible, we see the same thing. We see some of the disciples. As an example, John, I believe in the scripture, was a lightning bolt experience. On the other hand, I see Peter as somebody that was a gradual. Now, they were instantly saved. We're not saying that they were earning it or getting, but we know as we walk in the Lord, we mature. And as we would find here, we would increase in faith. And I believe that's what happens. And and we see Peter uh, maturing in his relationship with God. Some of you that have had a lightning bolt experience, praise God, that's great. If you didn't have one, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It's, I believe God allows that because of different personalities and things. And I believe God will take away as much from you of that old yucky sin lifestyle as you're willing to surrender to him. And so it tells us in verse 6 that when they had gone through Pergia, they came to the region of Galatia. 
And they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, this word Asia here, we think of China and something like But actually, Asia here was uh, what we might say kind of an Asia Minor kind of thing. And that would be like Turkey and that region up in that direction. And they were forbidden to go. Now, this is really strange because whenever you find the Bible silent on something, um, that's for a reason. Um, uh, it's often been said by the rabbis, when Messiah comes, even the space between the letters will mean something. And so when you, it doesn't say how they were uh, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Some people believe that perhaps Paul's health got so bad he couldn't go on. We knew that Paul was not a very well man. Uh, that possibility is real. Another possibility is that they just could not go. Perhaps it was the weather. It could have been something else. And I believe the reason that it's not mentioned here is so that we will be sensitive to not put God in a box how he wants to stop us sometimes from doing things. One thing we know for sure, they prayed, they wanted to go to Asia. God forbade them to go. Now, we've talked about this before, discerning God's will for your life, God's direction for your life. How do we know that? Well, I, I believe as a Christian, Jesus said, ask what you will in my name and my Father will give it to you. Now, we're, we're going to set aside any of the fleshly, carnal ideas of, ooh, I want to win the lottery. Ooh, I want a big house. I want, ooh, I, ooh, 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 you know, let's just set all that stuff aside because we know that ain't, that ain't it, okay? But as a Christian loving God, as we seek God, I believe God gives us unctions. And, and it may very well be an unction that you had when you were a child. I believe that God, um, all of our lives, deals with us. If you came on Sunday night, we've been looking at Solomon dedicating the temple. It's a fascinating study. Here's this elaborate temple that, uh, uh, that um, Solomon built. But it wasn't until the Ark of the Covenant was brought in was it dedicated. Now, when you make this incredible parallel that God will not dwell in buildings made with men's hands, but he dwells in you and me. So God has made us, you might say, a a temple, but until the ark is brought into our life. Now, the ark, interestingly enough, the Bible tells us, is where God dwelt on the mercy seat between the the cherubim on the the top of the uh, ark of the covenant. It's a type of, you might say, God's presence. And it's not till God's presence comes into our temple that we're dedicated. In fact, the Bible even says that the ark was not visible from the outside. It was only visible from the inner sanctuary. Is the only way you could see it. And that's true. People can't see, really, uh, God maybe coming into your life, but they can see the effect of it. And so we also remember that he, uh, Solomon sacrificed uh, an innumerable amount of animals, uh, so much they lost track of the number. Well, how many sacrifices has Jesus made for us? Well, just one, but his sacrifice covered an innumerable amount of our sins. And so I, I, as you look at this, you would realize that we see a lot of people, temples that are potential to be dedicated for God's work, that Ark of the Covenant, you might say the uh, Jesus' salvation comes into their life, and then they're dedicated for God's service. And really, if you think about it, that's when we become born again. That's what it is. It's where we, we ask Christ to come into our life, and we dedicate ourselves for the purposes of God. Well, understanding that, um, 
as we are then part of God's purpose in our life, I believe God communicates to us. Even when we are little, you, you know, you see a baby. This is a potential. It is a temple, but it's what it contains. And that's when we become born again. We repent. We clean out all the junk and we allow his spirit to come in. And that's what makes us what we are. But I think God puts a lot of desires in our heart that are only will never be fulfilled any other way than in Christ. And so God puts these desires in our heart. And when the Bible says when we walk in his spirit and in his heart and in his purpose, we can ask the Father in his name. He'll give it to us. So I, I have to be very careful about unctions from God because sometimes it can be, in fact, from God. Sometimes it isn't. Now, in this particular case, they wanted to go to Turkey or Asia Minor. And God forbid them to go. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.